Welcome to Healthcare Upside Down with your host, Dr. Nick Vanterhaven, and brought to you by ECG Management Consultants. You can learn more about the show on the program's page at healthcarenowradio.com or on our blog at ecgmc.com hud. The U.S. spends more on healthcare per capita than any other country on the planet. So why don't we have superior outcomes? Why haven't the principles of capitalism prevailed? And why do American consumers have so much trouble accessing and paying for healthcare? Each week, Healthcare Upside Down will dive into these and other issues with ECG principal, Dr. Nick, and guest panelists as they discuss the upsides and downsides of healthcare in the U.S. and how to make the system work for everyone. And we end with your better pill to swallow, the conclusion to today's episode with insights on challenges and changes that improve healthcare. Now here's your host, Dr. Nick. The hospital price transparency rule went into effect on January the 1st, 2021, despite huge efforts by many institutions who fought the regulations tooth and nail to the bitter end. The clock ticks forward and we roll into January of 2021, but the results were disappointing at best. In the state of New Jersey, a grand total of two hospitals from a total of 10 were compliant, with the others unambiguously non-compliant. And these statistics were typical throughout the country. Those that did comply posted information, sometimes buried deeply in their website, and what was posted came in a wide range of shapes and sizes, sometimes with detail, other times just averages, essentially the minimally compliant version. The ruling was designed to let the patient or consumer know the cost of a hospital item or service before receiving it. But that ideal is not being fulfilled, at least not yet. And with the current enforcement fines set so low they barely register as a rounding error for many institutions, it's not looking good. But these rules, and more importantly, most contracts or administrative service agreements with your carrier, have an obligation to make sure all of their in-network facilities are compliant with the federal rule. That means the healthcare line item on your income sheet just got a whole lot more detailed, offering the opportunity to manage it like every other expense in your business. Join me on the Healthcare Upside Down podcast as I talk with Chris Deacon, the Senior Vice President for 4C Health Solutions and previous Deputy Attorney General in New Jersey, where she ran one of the largest health plans in the country for the state of New Jersey and is credited with saving the state millions of dollars in their healthcare costs. Chris, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. So uh, employers are essentially burdened with the cost of healthcare, and we've been watching this climb for the last goodness knows, it feels like my lifetime. Uh, How do we turn this around? It seems like this is just a train that is never going to stop. Yeah. Um, It's funny that you start with that. We've sort of been, you know, we've sort of been watching this happen as if it's some abstract, you know, inevitable foregone conclusion that trend will increase five, six, seven, 10% year over year. Um, and we kind of observe it and have been passive observers as, you know, large employers and those um, that are, you know, largely paying the bill, um, you know, taxpayers, employers, and employees. It's not a runaway train. 
you know, it's a train that we have the keys to or to stop. Um, we just have to have, you know, the intestinal fortitude to do it because it's not going to be easy. You know, whenever anything takes up 17, 18% of GDP, if we are ever going to change that number or drive value with that number, um, somebody, you know, will be taking home a, a, probably a smaller paycheck. And so, you know, we have to be prepared to take on those entrenched interests. You immediately raise my antenna when you say, I'm going to be taking home a smaller paycheck. You know that those are vested interests and they're not just individuals. That's large organizations. It's not just about the paycheck. This is about the money flow. And that seems to be the problem with this train is that there's so many people that are pulling in the direction. It doesn't matter which thread. So where do you start? What is the process for this? Yeah, I mean, I think that, again, first the realization that um, we have to recognize that there will be losers in this game. And whether that's the you know, pharmacy benefit managers, the third party administrators, or some of the hospital systems that you know, continue to build glass palaces as a form of community benefit, right? Um, and largely profit from a nonprofit status. Um, you know, something, something has to give. And I think that, um, again, recognizing that at the outset is really important, um, but there is, there is a pathway towards what, you know, what I'll say, you know, value. Um, and I think the quicker those organizations that I just rattled off are going, you know, to start transforming into that value agenda, um, there will be a place for them. Um, you know, but we can't keep on the trajectory that we're on. And I say that, and that's not an foregone, you know, conclusion. If we don't actually do something about it, you and I will be sitting here in three years and be talking about 22%, 23% of the GDP going to healthcare costs and probably not having any better health outcomes, possibly worse. I, I'm just going to say right out, it, it's almost impossible that we will improve health outcomes, uh, health outcomes with an increase in cost, uh, it, it, it's inevitable that it, it, you, you can't just keep pouring money into this. So right. we've seen some moves. I, there's certainly some regulations that I think have delivered some potential insight. And I think one of the areas that you've focused on is transparency. If we don't know what the pricing is, we saw an interesting piece of research that took place um, it was out of the Hilltop Institute with the New York Times, um, mm -hmm. and they did some research on all of the data that was published because of the regulations they were required to, but they had to do a deep dive. That was a complex project. And then the response was from the institutions that looked at the, the, the summary of their data, oh, we'll pull it back. Right. That feels like we've just taken a step backwards, even though the regulations are enforced. And you've been on that side of the coin. How are we going to push this so that that continues so that we can all get that transparency that seems an in incredibly important part of finding that value, as you describe? Right. Well, it's really the starting point, right? How do you find value if you don't know what the, the you know, sort of your baseline cost is? And you know, on transparency, I had a I had an analyst team in place, um, just chopping at the bit for January first, twenty twenty one, to really dive into New Jersey's hospital systems and their files that they were supposed to upload. And 
you know, by January 3rd, I had to put that team on another project because it was very clear, both from the hospitals and from the carriers, the carriers knew that there weren't going to be postings because, you know, they don't stand to benefit from that either. And to put them on a different project because we knew that it would be, you know, an exercise in futility, you know, of those that even complied that, you know, it was either averages that were just closed. It wasn't, it certainly wasn't fully compliant. I think we had two hospitals that were compliant um, on day one. And so the exercise really became meaningless. Um, I attempted through our contract to actually mandate that the carrier require that the hospitals post transparency. And this is something I've written about. I guarantee you, if you have any self-funded employers out there or you know public sector entities, um, if you look at your administrative services agreement with your carrier, they probably have an obligation to make sure all of their in-network facilities are compliant with federal rule and reg regulation. Um, and so I use that as, I tried to use that as a hook to get them to enforce compliance. Um, but there were actually some, you know, political uh, forces at play that, you know, picked up the phone and said, Kristen, what are you doing? We don't really want to, we don't really rattle anybody here. Um, it's a very complex regulation. And I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, if they know what the, the prices they're charging, because they're charging our plan for it, then how difficult must it be to put on a file to read, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, there's at $300 a day, $109,000 a year for being non-compliant. I don't think that there, you know, anybody really cared um, if they were compliant from the get-go. And that was evidenced by the American Hospital Association making, you know, filing up until December 27th an objection to the law. Um, and even now, I think, you know, I think the most that a hospital could suffer with the enhanced CMS penalties is maybe 2 million bucks. Like that's a drop in the hat, right? New York Presbyterian in 2019 was sitting on an $8 billion reserve. $2 million is less than a rounding error. And if it preserves their business model, I don't, I don't see um, that type of enforcement having much, much value. I think it needs to be much steeper. Which makes Mickey Tripathi's comment, the minimally please don't do this, this minimally right. viable compliant version. And, and interestingly, the, the outcome from that study was that they, uh, they essentially found the, the groups that you described, which were the unambiguous, unambiguously non-compliant hospitals. They were the vast majority. I'm right. just curious, out of the New Jersey, what's the total? What was the denominator? You had two that were compliant. What, what didn't comply? Roughly. Um, so we have, you know, uh, uh, you know, north of just like around 10 large hospital systems. And I say that as sort of a fluid number, because as you know, hospitals, um, you know, I think there's a big case and uh, several attorneys general across the country just filed a case to pre prevent a merger with two of the big hospital systems in New Jersey. So roughly 10 large hospital systems. But I'll tell you what, I, I spoke with our large TPA providers um, uh, prior to January 1st, 21. And it was very clear from their assertion that none of the hospitals had any, and they had, they had no plan for compliance. And it was sort of a, it was a very strategic non-compliance, which is again, back to my, you know, I think I've said this, um, you know, in writings and, and in prior conversations, the solution in healthcare is not going to come from Washington. I don't think it's going to come from state policy leaders. I think the solution in healthcare, at least the catalyst for change and moving us along that value chain 
is the large employer market because you know what we've seen at the federal level and in in some ways the state level if we're talking about you know some of the new CMS pilots um you know innovative strategies we're giving out a lot of um, participation prizes when it comes to value you know moving to value and um, value based payments um, but we're not really hammering home the fact that there has to be a downside um, you know we can't keep handing out more carrots we have to have um, some bigger sticks. If we're actually, we have to make doing the right thing a lot more attractive to our provider community. And we have to make doing the wrong thing or the inefficient thing um, a lot more unattractive from a financial perspective. So enough of the carrots, more of the sticks, and that's tied up a little bit with regulatory. But I, I think it's interesting you focus on the employers they have a big problem, right? I mean, this is a huge contribution. There's a part of me that says, why on earth are they in this business? I mean, does it really make sense for employers to be offering? Is right. that even a plausible pathway to say, let's get the employers? And I'm not advocating yeah. to have the government do this, but a separate uh, entity that is disconnected from employment. Is that right? High in the well, stock? I think... You know, we could spend hours talking about how we got here from an employer-sponsored health plan perspective. But at the end of the day, we are here after decades of this system growing up. And, you know, we could talk about the history of, you know, the tax benefit for, you know, health benefits being offered through the employer because it was the only way that you could get out of the wage cap, et cetera. But we're here, right? And employers, by and large, um, you know, you could employers are footing the bill and passing it on to employees in terms of premium, foregone wages, et cetera. But the system is that, you know, and I've spoken to whether it's a trucking company or a large retailer, and, you know, we I want to talk about healthcare. And, they, you know, that's my HR department. We're in the business of logistics. Well, do you offer a self insured health plan for your 200,000 employees? Yeah, we do. What is that on your line item? You know, from a spend perspective, well, it's a lot. Um, like it or not, employer X, you are in the business of healthcare. Now, how are you gonna how are you gonna manage that business? Because I guarantee you, you have an inventory system for what's on your trucks. You have an inventory system for how or you know, a management system for how you're gonna control costs on you know your gas mileage and your drivers. Why aren't we thinking about our healthcare spend in the same way when it makes up such a huge, huge um, percentage of our spend as employers? You know, I, and you bring up that point. As I recall, the cost contribution to a car manufactured in the United States is somewhere of the order of 20 to 30 percent is healthcare cost. Is that Somewhere in there. That sounds that sounds about right. That sounds about right. And um, you know, I think on the labor side in particular, when you're talking about organized labor, um, it's a very real narrative, right? Like they they very much see, okay, I'm getting $18 in wages and I'm getting, you know, $18 in health benefits because by and large they're Cadillac plus 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 plans. Um, so that labor union, in my opinion, right. They need to make sure that their employer is spending their money wisely or that trust that is holding that money is spending the money wisely because for the most part, and there are some exceptions, right? 32 BJ in New York, um, Rosen Hotel Group, um, but by and large, 
you know, these employers or trust groups that are responsible for managing this vast amount of money um, have basically outsourced that responsibility to their third-party administrator or to their pharmacy benefit manager um, and have sort of, you know, said, all right, well, I trust that they're going to do what's in my best interest. And I think anytime the financial picture, um, you know, if you spend more money and they make more money, well, I think it's time. And I think Arissa now says we have to put ourselves back in the driver's seat, take some ownership and responsibility of the management of that health spend. And, you know, we could talk about some of the tools that Arissa gives us as self-funded employers to do that. Um, but you know, it's not a nice to do, it's not a way to like find some savings. It's a legal, you know, obligation for planned fiduciaries and trust funds. Um, and it actually is an opportunity, right? Think of the, the social, you know, the social impact that spending almost 18% of our GDP has, um, without getting better health outcomes, by the way. I mean, we spend less than 4% on education. We spend less than 1% on preparing for climate disasters. Um, you know, if we're to look at the societal, you know, opportunity costs and an employer opportunity costs, um, you know, you could invest that in more mental health resources or better primary care, which would, um, you know, improve your members' health, productivity, et cetera. Um, but it's really time to put that group back in the driver's seat because it is, it is their money at the end of the day. Um, it's employees' money, in for, whether it's in foregone wages or premiums. And the days of cost shifting um, to save, are, they're over and they don't work. I, I think it's really interesting. You bring up a point because almost universally when people talk about this and organized labor and, you know, this high cost, they talk about, you know, pulling that back. It's, you know, let's go uh, find a way to reduce that cost. And, and actually what you're saying is, no, that's their money. They've invested in it. That was part of the compensation package, but they're not getting value for money because the whole process right. essentially says, oh, well, we'll just keep paying what we need to pay. So underlying all of that, you talk about ERISA, you talk about the potential. It feels like the transparency piece. And then the other element that I heard very clearly is treat this just like your business. Why are you not managing this? Right. Tell us a little bit about how you see that. Yeah, I mean, so I've, I've heard that um, sort of position that, you know, I'm an employer. I don't really want to get involved with how my employees um, interact with the healthcare system, right? In what other, you know, I, I sort of, if you were to hand your employee, employee um, who has family coverage with your plan, you know, some of these union plans, let's say, you know, $30,000, $40,000 a year in value from a premium perspective. Here's this $40,000 piece of equipment. Good luck. Not only am I going to leave you with no instruction manual as to how to use this, um, I'm not going to give you good, uh, you know, never mind the days of like going to any provider you want. Like, I really want you to go to the best knee surgeon because I want you to be able to come back to work, right? I really want you to undergo physical therapy before getting a spinal fusion, because if you go to a surgeon first and a poor surgeon, I mean, the number one cause of spinal fusion surgery is a, a failed spinal fusion surgery, right? The American healthcare system, if interacted with in the wrong way, can be one of the most devastating and deadly things to your health, um, 
again, if interacted with in the wrong way. So I think we have an obligation, um, you know, again, if an employee might say, you know, if they're on a business trip and they want to stay at the five-star Ritz-Carlton in, you know, Hawaii, well, that's, that's, you're paying some of that. So I think you have a say, like, let's stay at a, a you know, a four-star Hilton or something that, that is actually has value. Um, and I think that empowering our employees with good information, um, you know, that quote unquote instruction manual is really important, um, not just because it's in our financial interests, but, you know, I, I go back to that um, phrase that a lot of people used when we were moving towards consumer-driven health plans and that, well, they should really have skin in the game. Let me tell you what, a member that has cancer and that is looking for the best cancer care for their child or for their spouse, like they don't have to have money in the game to have skin in the game, right? And so I think we need to do a better job as employers and making sure that our members are getting the right care at the right time and we're getting value when value is defined as, you know, outcomes achieved relative to cost, right? If I get improved outcomes, I might be willing to pay a little bit more. If I pay less and, you know, at the cost of quality, that's not value. And it's certainly not gonna be good for my members. So, you know, you bring up an interesting point, the, uh, you know, the, the, the deadly potential for the healthcare system. And I would say the counterpoint to that is that there is an equally amazing potential outcome for the system, but you essentially roll the dice every right. single time you interact with the healthcare system. And sometimes it's geography, could be your employer, could be, and we have to normalize that as part of our sort of activity. So if you were to pick the key element in this to make that normal and to allow us all to get the best possible, and, and crikey, we're paying 18%, we ought to be getting the best healthcare in the world, but we're definitely right. not. What do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I mean, that's a big question. And to, to focus on the, the population that I think will, or population, the, the um, influencers that I think will get us there is the self-insured market. And when I say that, I, I mean also state plans like the one I ran, which was, you know, it's the fourth largest health plan in the country. Um, and other self-insured groups demanding transparency and value. And I think, again, you know, not to get too wonky, but, you know, ERISA, which by and large governs these plans, not only makes it possible, but makes it your obligation to understand your costs, understand your quality, understand all fees that you're paying, evaluate those three things and make sure that you're spending your, um, your plans money wisely and in a prudent manner. Um, and I think that gets you there because we have the transparency tools and regulations. We just have to use them, more sticks, less carrots. We can't continue to grow the pie, right? The pie is gonna swallow America. Um, so I think within those bounds, we have a lot of unique opportunity. But again, I have to think we, we have to recognize that this isn't going to be easy. There is not some quick fix solution out there, despite all of the billions and billions of dollars in capital um, from private equity going into digital health tools and digital transformation tools. Those all can play a role in this ecosystem, but the ecosystem has to fundamentally drive towards value and not in these siloed entities that are profit seeking. Chris? Thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks so much for having me anytime. 
Healthcare costs contribute significantly to the cost of goods sold in this country. And while everyone is involved, we need more committed to the solution. The solutions to our healthcare challenges are not coming from Washington. They're not coming from states. And while individuals can bring about some change for their own local issues, the real movers in this space are employers. Labor unions and employees should insist their money, and it is their money since it's part of the compensation received in exchange for the work done, should be spent wisely and not squandered. That means getting the best possible care for the most economic price. What is that line item of cost for healthcare benefits on your income statement? And how much transparency do you currently have into the details? Has that cost been shrinking like others in your divisions as you sought out savings to improve your business profitability? Or did you hear year after year that the costs are just going up and there's nothing, aside from shifting more of the costs to employees, that we as a business can do about it? This week, your better pill to swallow is to reject the notion this is a runaway train. Accept there will be losers in this business and change starts with employers focusing on the detail of their healthcare expense line items on their income statements with the same vigour and attention as every other cost. No longer can you accept the rising cost of care while quality and outcomes decline. Accepting the fact that employer-sponsored healthcare is here to stay in the United States does not mean accepting the continued rising costs. Control and influence lie with the employers, and by extension the employees, all of whom must insist on price transparency. Executives must be equipped with all the details so they can reject the notion that cost increase is inevitable and seek alternative health delivery options that can and do cost less while delivering higher quality care. Thanks for joining me, your host, Dr. Nick, on this week's edition of Healthcare Upside Down. Until next week, keep solving the business of healthcare as if your life depended on it, as one day soon, it will. That's all the time we have for today. You can find all of our episodes on your favorite listening platform by searching for Healthcare Now Radio. Also, check out our blog at ecgmc.com hud for summaries and commentary from each episode. Follow our show's social hashtag, HCUpsideDown. And join us each week as we work to solve the business of healthcare for everyone.